Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, Ball and Glove loving Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can find my writing by following reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is my cheesehead loving buddy, Trevor. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast and can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. So, Trevor, before we get into the Brewers Pirates action, how are you doing today? I, I would be doing better if I didn't jinx the Brewers to a series loss. But I had a relatively productive weekend, got some yard work done, things like that on Saturday. I uh, got some homework done today, so pretty productive overall for the weekend. So I'm doing pretty good. I guess the only real negative outside of the Brewers losing was I didn't get to watch any of the Brewers games. So that part kind of sucks. But overall, it was a pretty good weekend. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, mine was the opposite of productive. I mean, I guess I did clip my lawn on Friday for the first time this year, which means I now have to do it every week, which is annoying. <laughs> but yeah, I was in Milwaukee for the weekend and completely forgot that the Brewer game was at 6 o'clock on Saturday. And next thing I know, they already scored seven runs before I turned it on, and then they hadn't scored anything else. So <laughs> that's how that game went. But yeah, not very productive at all whatsoever still need to go grocery shopping tonight but that's not gonna happen so <laughs> guess i'm just gonna starve this week yeah yeah that that sucks <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into our game recaps here game one was on friday night that was the brewers six to one loss in which adrian hauser got the hook for the loss in that one he gave up a colin moran solo homer in the second inning and then worked himself into a jam in the fifth inning and then Craig Council elected to pull him. So at that point, he was at 73 pitches and brought in Brett Suter. And the significant part about pulling Adrian Hauser at this point was that it snapped the Brewers' starting pitcher streak, where the starters have went at least five innings and gave up one earned run or less. And really, it was deserved at that point. I thought Hauser had been flirting with danger in the innings prior, so it seemed unlikely that he would again get out of a jam unscathed. Uh, but unfortunately... Brett Suter was not able to bail him out at all. The first battery faced was Adam Frazier. He hit a triple and two base runners scored as a result. So that is how Hauser ended up with three earned runs in the final box score there. Suter also gave up a double after that and allowed another run to score. That one Suter was obviously tagged for and the Brewers trailed 4-1 to one in the fifth inning there. They did counter with a run in the bottom of the fifth, and that was their only run of the game. Tyrone Taylor, who entered the game during a double switch, hit a double that scored Jace Peterson. And then we had a chance to put up a crooked number. Kesson Hero was hit by a pitch. 
Travis Shaw came up to up to bat, and with the way he's been swinging it this year, you thought he had a good shot, but nope. Hit a hard grounder right at the shortstop, and that ended the inning. The rest of the Pirates' runs would come in the eighth inning, and history was made in that inning. A Devin Williams changeup was hit for a home run, the first one ever. Gregory Polanco was the player to do it for the Pirates. That was a two-run homer. And yeah, Devin Williams' early season struggles continued. I thought his you saw a little bit more flashes of his changeup doing better in that first outing on Friday night, uh, but that changeup to Polanco caught a little bit too much of the plate, and Polanco golfed it out of here. Game two was a 7-1 to Brewers win, so flip-flop from game one where they got blown out. This time they blow the Pirates out, and they were putting up runs early as they got five runs in the first inning. And all of them came with two outs. <laughs> Avi Garcia hit a bloop single in the center field to score JBJ. That's how the party got started. That was followed up by a Narvaez single. McKinney single to right field. And then the ball took a weird bounce uh, off the wall there, kind of in right field. Not, not the outfield wall, but kind of along that first baseline. And that allowed Narvaez to move to third. Garcia scored, and McKinney had to get held up at first. And then after that, Urias hit a shot in the left center. So that scored Narvaez <laughs> and McKinney. And then Jace Peterson hit a four-hopper through the infield. That allowed Urias, Urias to score after that. Not quite sure how that one snuck through yet, but it, it somehow did. And then the party continued again in the second inning. The Brewers put up two more runs. This was thanks to a Kesson here, a double, and then an Avi Garcia sack fly. So at that point, the Brewers scored all seven of their runs in the first two innings, and Brett Anderson was allowed to just cruise. He pitched seven innings of baseball, ended up having zero earned runs on the night. They got their only run in the fourth inning, but that was thanks to Luis Urias' throwing error. And it was a very rough defensive night for Luis Urias. He ended up having three errors in the game. Three separate throwing errors, getting a case of the yips or something, but those errors were in the fourth, sixth, and eighth innings. Thankfully, it did not cost the Brewers any additional runs, and it came in a blowout win. So those kind of get less magnified when it happens like that. If that would have happened on Friday night, it probably would have been a bigger deal, um, at least fan-wise. I don't think it's anything to look into, but... Um, he did not start on Sunday's game, which I had, think had nothing to do with the errors. It is just a scheduled off day for him. So, uh, yeah, game three was the rubber match. Seems like the Brewers have been in a lot of them to over this series winning streak here, in which they needed to win the rubber match. And this time on Sunday, they were unable to as they lost 6-5 to five on Freddie Peralta Day, who ended up pitching five innings and striking out seven batters. His only real mistake was in the third inning. He had, he gave up a walk on four straight pitches, then a single, and then Colin Moran hit a missile out for a three-run homer. So that was pretty frustrating. Prior to that, the Brewers were actually ahead before the third inning, thanks to some more first-inning extra or first-inning runs. Dan Vogelbach hit a solo homer. Travis Shaw hit a double, and with those two RBIs, there the Brewers. Uh, had now scored more first-inning runs this year than they did all of 2020 during 60 games. So in 15 games, they surpassed their 2020 first-inning totals in terms of runs scored. Pretty remarkable there in the, the tale of two seasons. Afterwards, the uh, Pirates, when they took that 3-2 lead off that Colin Moran home run, Avi Garcia countered with a solo homer of his own to make it 3-3. Three 
And then again in the seventh inning, both teams traded blows again as uh, Brian Reynolds hit a two-run homer off Brad Boxberger, who uh, was in a pretty big battle with him. It was a full count and just left a mistake fastball right down the middle. <laughs> hate to see that. And then in the bottom of the inning, Dan Vogelbach hit his second home run of the day to tie that game up at 5-5, five to five, his second multi home run game as a Brewer. Uh, last time he did it was against the Royals last September. And then in extra innings, J.P. Feierheisen gave up a leadoff double to Colin Moran. And thanks to the uh, extra inning rules where a runner starts on second base, that meant a run scored. Uh, but thankfully, Feierheisen did play damage control, didn't allow any more runs to score. And you bring the Brewers up to bat. You have JBJ starting at second. You have speed. You got two, three, four, and Vogelbach Garcia Shaw up in the bottom of the 10th. You think, all right, you're for sure going to get a run there. But unfortunately, that did not happen. The Brewers are unable to score or win the game in the bottom of the 10th, and they lost this series two games to three. All right, and Trevor, you said it. You cursed the Brewers. You're the reason we lost this series. Shame on you. Should we be blaming completely you, or is there uh, other things you want to point out in regards to how this series went down? (laughs) Well, I will take the most of the blame. Part of it was... I talked about the Brewers should win this series. They're the better team that should win this series. Um, that clearly did not happen. And the other part of it was I was expecting Freddie Peralta con- to continue to pitch well. And he goes five innings, three earned runs. Um, not great stuff from Freddie. Not truly terrible either, I don't think. But definitely could have been better. I was really high on the starting pitching and – You know, six earned runs is not great through just over nine innings um, for Adrian Hauser and Freddie Peralta. Obviously, Brett Anderson pitched great, um, but Hauser and Peralta struggled a little bit. That kind of sucks, and and obviously losing a close game to end the series really, really sucks because that's a game you really, really want to win, and not that it's going to be that important to win head-to-head against the Pirates of teams in the Central any games you can win are are important, and definitely Sunday felt like that one they needed to win. Yeah, the frustrating part for Freddie was he was doing well, and it was just that third inning. He gave up a walk, gave up a single, and then next thing you know, Colin Moran's launching a home run and three runs are crossing the plate. That's really, I think, like the only thing I wish he would you know could take away from that start. Otherwise, I thought he was doing really well. His breaking ball was was on point. I was trying to come up with analogies of how to describe it during the game today because there was just so many awkward-looking batters. And I think the one I'm settled on is Freddie Peralta's breaking ball is making hitters look as awkward as I was when I was trying to talk to girls in middle school. (laughs) You can imagine that's pretty awkward. (laughs) I I watched you talk to girls in college, bro. That was bad enough. I can't imagine what middle school was like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't get over that. I'm just picturing you in my head. Because <laughs> my the little picture, self. <laughs> the the picture that I've seen from your parents just that keeps popping in my in my head is the one with you at the Brewer game doing the book in the stands. I picture that kid trying to talk to women, and that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, back when I had my Harry Potter glasses, yeah, yep, that's a very yep. good look. 
Oh, um, yeah. But getting back to Brewers baseball, um, that's been the concern with Freddie Peralta, right? The one inning. And not that three runs in one inning here and there is an end-all, be-all. Corbin Burns has done it. Brandon, Brandon Woodruff did it last year, you know. Not every pitcher is going to – actually, every pitcher eventually is going to have a bad inning, right? I just want to see him limit this moving forward. I don't want to see this be an every other start type of thing. Let's get this to be like once every one or two months, let's see this, because then it's going to be huge for this team. And this that could really help uh, make this team a lot better overall and really give them a true third starter to feel confident in going into the postseason because – yeah, it's postseason's a long ways away, but that's what the Brewers are are building for. We've we've been to the postseason enough now. Now it's time to actually make a run. It's time to get back to the NLC at and this time kick the shit out of the Dodgers. Amen to that. Gosh. Ugh, screw the Dodgers. But uh yeah, I, I like what you're saying because Freddie Peralta can be that guy when he's right, that third guy in a postseason rotation that you'd want going out there. Adrian Hauser, I think, can be two when he's right. This series against the Pirates wasn't quite up to up to par compared to his first couple starts in the year. Only goes four and a third. Gets tagged with three earned runs. He left the game only surrendering one earned run, and then Brett Suter was unable to bail him out. And then you, you saw a good pitching performance from Brett Anderson again, seven innings strong there, saving the bullpen. So I was glad to see him continue to induce ground balls and, and do what he does. And the series is just weird because you get blown out in game one, you blow them out in game two, and then all the action or like controversy, I guess, happens in game three. So with the Brewers, they were uh, tied here in the ninth inning. It was five to five at that point, and they brought upon Josh Hader to face the Pirates' top of the order. So one, two, and three. He pitches 13, throws 13 pitches, and we go into extra innings. So. Josh Hader's spot in the lineup was up second in the lineup, so he he wasn't going to hit, you know, and then come out and pitch again. But there's a lot of fans who were really mad that at the time when Josh Hader was inserted that he was not double switched for to, like, you know, push him back so he had the ability to pitch in the 10th inning. So what were your thoughts on this? Would you have liked to seen them kind of go all out for the win here and pitch Hader that second inning, or are you okay with him just pitching the one? So I talked about it a little bit earlier, you would need to win games like this because Pirates is a team you can beat, and it's a close game. You feel like you got to win these. But I don't disagree with how they used Hater because it's a 162-game season, and who knows when you need Hater next. Do you, do you need him tomorrow or the next day? And you don't, you don't want to, unless it's absolutely necessary, and this is not a need to win type of game it's not like a do or die type of game so to me this early in the season a game on april 18th is not going to change what happened you are going to forget about this by the time september rolls around you are not going to remember this game i can promise you that unless you are listening to me and now just are like i'm just gonna remember it out of spite now um but you wouldn't have remembered on april 18th they didn't double switch for Josh Hader so he could pitch two innings. What happens if in their next game 
he comes down and locks the door down because he was available in that game. And if he pitched two innings in this one, now he's not, now he wasn't available. And now you lose that game. You never know what's going to happen. I it's April. It's one game. And this also is Craig council. It really doesn't surprise me that this was the choice. And JP has been doing very well this year. And on top of that, all of that, you hope that you can get a pinch hit in and and you don't have to worry about using Josh Hader or needing Josh Hader or any pitcher in the following inning because you're hoping your pinch hitter and the bottom of the order can get it done. So you don't have to worry about a 10th. So I'm fine with it. Doesn't really bother me at all. Now, if it's September 18th, and the Brewers are th- two games back, and they're playing the Cardinals, and they're two games back from the Cardinals, and they don't keep them in there, then I will be mad. But it's the Pirates in April. It's fine. Yeah, availability for the next day was my big determining factor for that, too. It's like, we got the Padres up next. I want Josh Hader available <laughs> if it's yep. a close game to, to use him in that situation. And I think maybe like having Devin Williams kind of scuffling at the moment and Brad Boxberg gave up some runs today, kind of not having that – that kind of, you know, who would you want to use in a the day after for a save? You don't know. <laughs> like, we don't know at this point. So I think it was a good idea as well, what you were saying there. It's April, so I agree. Well, let's move over here to Series MVP. And Series Dud. So even though we lost the series, let's do the MVP first. Who do you got? Man, even though he didn't need to pitch this great, I got to go with Brett Anderson. Seven innings, three strikeouts, did give up six hits and a walk, but no earned runs. Like the offense showed out in that game and he didn't need to have, you know, a scoreless seven, but he did. He had a great outing and I think he very much deserves this and and definitely, uh, like I said, just a great outing overall. And he's a guy that... We know what we're getting start after start with the top two guys. Um, now, Adrian Hauser, Freddie Peralta, those are our roller coaster guys this year. And Brett Anderson, if he can just be solid, he doesn't have to go seven innings, uh, no earned runs. But if he can just be solid, that's going to be a big boon for the 162 game season. I don't know how important he is in the playoffs, but. He can help the Brewers win a few if he can just pitch solid, and he pitched a lot better than that. So I'm going to go with Brett Anderson. Hey, I love to see some Brett Anderson love. That's awesome. And actually, I think like if we were in a seven-game series in the postseason, I think Brett Anderson could be <laughs> – that'd be a pivotal start if, if he was used in a rotation there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely could be a swing starter there. For me, I'm going to go with an offensive MVP. I'm just going to go with Avi Garcia because – he continues to hit. He continues to be the motor behind this offense. Goes 4 of 11 this series. Had a home run. That was a solo shot. Three RBIs altogether. Drew one walk. I'm just really impressed with what I see out of him. He's hitting anywhere in the three spots or four spots primarily this year and just keeps plugging along. So I love what I'm seeing out of him. JBJ is an honorable mention for me. Six hits this me series. Too. Yeah. <laughs> He had a a double and a triple. It was good to see him. He actually laid down a bunt for a base hit today. How often do you see that in Brewers baseball? (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think those are my two big honorable mentions, and I will throw a third one out there just because it's you're gonna hate Dan, that I'm gonna say Dan Vogelbach deserves honorable mention for hitting two home runs in a game. So he's yeah, in my for list. hitting for hitting two home runs in a game, and and that being what his third and fourth hit on the year because he's batting 167. Stop talking to me that he's doing good for two home runs. I told you guys he'd have one, two, or three good games. And this was a good game. He's still not that good. He had two strikeouts in this game, too, but no one's talking about that. <laughs> hey, he had a diving play at first base today. How about that? I did I did that shit all the time in high school. <laughs> I didn't get any awards for it. Uh, okay, yeah, fair. I guess I am <laughs> technically giving him an award, so I get where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, all right, what about uh, series duds? Who do you got for a dud? I don't know, Tyler. This is a hard one for me, and I don't know why. Yeah, there's some not great performances. Uh, obviously, JP gave gave up the to go ahead run in the last game, but you know there's a runner on second. I still hate that rule. Just let him play baseball. I think I have to go offensively. I've, I'm just gonna go because again I've talked about this before with expectations. No, you know what? I changed my mind last second. A guy that he's consistently struggled this year, I'm I'm just over it. Robertson, I'm done. 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Dud. See ya, bye. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a lot of Daniel Robertson bashing going on on Twitter, and I think it's rightfully so. I, I think I had him in my honorable mention group a couple of podcasts ago, and he's continuing not to do anything. It's It's pitiful. And like, yeah, because I said I think I'd actually prefer Jace Peterson over Daniel Robertson at this point. You did. And yeah, you neither did. one of our really good options. <laughs> yeah. Peterson, two of seven, a walk, an RBI, three strikeouts. At least he's having some productiveness with his three strikeouts. Robertson's just over with three strikeouts. That's helpful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to go with, for my dud, uh, someone who's been doing very well this year, just had a very bad series against the Pirates, and that was Travis Shaw. Two of 13, seven strikeouts is a little alarming. Did have a double and a ribby, but there was quite a few opportunities this series where he was up to bat and had a chance to you know, cut into the lead, take the lead, and he was unable to capitalize. Obviously, you can't expect that every time, but really looked rather rough this series. His timing just looked off at the plate, hence all the, the higher strikeout totals, which we hadn't seen in the series until this point. So hopefully we kind of kick him back into gear here because I like it when he's producing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I had Shaw on my list for honorable mentions as well. I just want to see Keston get better, so I'm going to put him on the honorable mentions as well. One of eight, did have a double in an RBI, and didn't did get on base via the walk a couple times, three strikeouts. I, I, we just got to see better. You know, I'm still holding out hope that he can be that second offensive face of the franchise. And we saw it a lot in his rookie year. We just haven't seen enough consistency from him. Um, and that's what I want to start seeing from Keston a little bit more often. Yeah, for sure. I think I want to put Brett Suter on my honorable mention list here too. This has been a couple games in a row where he's gotten into some trouble and I know last time I was like I don't want to go down the Brett Suter route because I love him too much but now I think I'm going to and on on Friday when he's given up some runs 
you know, it's rocking, rocking BA talking like, oh, he's been coming in in the stretch a lot, not able to work fast out of his lineup, his game's being slowed down. Maybe that's what his reasons for his struggles are. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts kind of on that? I When they told me that or when they were talking about it, I went and like looked up his career stats and I was like trying to figure out, you know, is this like a true thing or not? Because we obviously know he likes to work at a fast pace. And throughout his career, hitters are batting 243 when he's out of the, the, the windup and with runners on 277. So maybe there's a little bit there. And just across the board on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, um, all a lot higher when Brett Suter's pitching out of the stretch. So maybe there's something there, but I don't know. I, I think he should still be working fast and efficiently, even though he's out of the stretch. That shouldn't impact a ton. I don't think it impacts a ton either. I think I do think there's something to the point of a starting pitcher does tend to struggle a little bit more out of the stretch. It's not something they're ultra familiar with and they're more comfortable out of the windup, those types of things. But Suter is a guy that's kind of been this hybrid. So he's got to be comfortable with both. And secondly, ruining his pace, you can still pitch fast out of the stretch. You don't have to look over at first base 35 times. You can just throw the baseball to home plates. You don't like if he wants to work fast, there's less steps out of the stretch than there is out of the windup. So you can still work fast. So that that's a bullshit excuse um, in terms of the pace. I do think there is something to say about a starter type moving into the stretch. But at this point, Brett Suter has to be comfortable with that because of his role. He's not just a starter. He's he's the kind of do it all guy. He's the he's that second starter on short starts. He's the guy in need of a spot start. He could be that guy. He just needs to be comfortable with doing those things. And as a professional pitcher, knowing that's his role, he just has to be comfortable and be able to do it. And if he's not able to do it, they're going to have to find someone else. I do think Brett Suter will be fine. We saw him pitch phenomenally last year. I think we'll see him back to kind of average Brett Suter before we know it. And hopefully this is just a little bit of rut, just like a guy like Devin Williams is in a rut. Hopefully they can kind of jump out of this soon. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just a rut. I mean, his ERA for the seasons now is up to 3.86. I mean, we're through nine innings of baseball. We're halfway through April. I, Three eight six. Even if that's his season ERA, that's pretty damn good. So <laughs> I take that. He's obviously been really good in seasons past. Last year he was at three point one three. In two thousand nineteen, when he came back, like pretty much just for September, recovering from Tommy John, he had a point four nine ERA. So uh, that's pretty, pretty. That won't happen. But um, yeah, hopefully he bounces back. You're starting to see Devin Williams look a little bit more like himself. I think he's still forcing the change up a little bit. He's spiking a lot into the ground. He's leaving him high in the zone at times. But you're starting to see it command a little bit more. So hopefully he is able to get back to his air bending ways with pinpoint command because he, he needs that in order to succeed. But we will look ahead here. We have the Padres coming up. And it is in San Diego, which means they have a lot of late games coming up. So Monday and Tuesday will be 9-10 first pitch, and Wednesday will be 3-30. 
Monday's game will be Woodruff versus Musgrove. Tuesday will be Burns versus Paddock. And Wednesday will be Hauser versus Ryan Weathers, which to my understanding is more of a bullpen day for the Padres. He's a long reliever. He's got a .93 ERA this year in nine innings pitched. Hasn't pitched more than three innings at a time. So the, the fun part will be watching Musgrove. This will be his second start since his no-hitter in Texas. He's allowed just one earned run this entire season. And the uh, Padres and Dodgers just came off a really entertaining series in which the Dodgers got the best of the Padres. But Fernando Tatis is playing. He's back and healthy. Uh, Eric Hosmer is the guy leading the way offensively for the Padres right now. He's what I call the forgotten guy behind Tatis and Machado, um, but leading in average home runs and RBIs currently. So this is a big series. The Padres are contenders uh, in the National League here. So what are you going to be looking for in this series? Well, I would tell you, of course, any time Woodruff and Burns are pitching, I'm always going to be watching those two. Um, but Tyler, you know me, you know, there's not a chance I'm watching those baseball games. <laughs> that is a way too late for me. Uh, um, Wednesday, there's a good chance that I can definitely have that on three 30, you know, that's, uh, probably third or fourth inning on I'll be home from work and that'll be a good thing to have on during dinner and stuff. But I just want to watch a competitive series. I would rather see the Brewers, get swept in, you know, a one run game each time than, you know, what we saw in this Padre or this Padre, this Pirate series. I want to see this be a competitive matchup because I want to know the Brewers can hang with a good team. And this is a damn good team. And I want to see Woodruff go head to head with Musgrove. I want to see that matchup. I want to see both of those into the seventh inning, one earned run each, and it's just a pitcher's duel. You know, there is one mistake from both pitchers that ended up over the fence, and that's where it is. Um, and then bullpen steps up, and, and someone can hopefully get a winning run home. I'm not saying that I want a sweep by any means. Like, I, I don't want the Brewers to get swept, but I just want a fun and exciting series because if you go out and prove that you can win one or two in San Diego or – you are right on the doorstep and just lose in heartbreaking fashion a couple times. I'm okay with that in April. And at this point, that's what I want to see. I want to see that we're up to snuff with the NL contenders. So that's what I'm looking for. I know it's kind of weird saying I'm okay with a sweep or getting swept, excuse me. But I do think it's more important just to kind of see engage where the Brewers are in relation to a legit contender in the NL. I'm kind of along the same lines as you. I just want to see us, like you said, compete because it seems like whenever the Brewers are in like this, oh, we need to prove ourselves situations, like everybody tries too hard and then everyone's striking out and things just go sideways in a hurry. So just let the offense, you know, be yourself. They, they're scoring lots of runs early on this year. Like, be patient at the plate. Go out there, work, you know, work Musgrove. Make him throw a lot of pitches. He only went four innings last time in his first start after the no hitter. I'm not sure if there is some fatigue in there from you know throwing the complete game or whatever, or the, the complete game or whatever. But hopefully, he's not you know well rested now. So you want to make him work. And you want to see Woodruff and Burns not try and do too much. <laughs> you don't want to see him overthrow. And you just want him to give him your good six, seven innings minimum. That hey. would be ideal. Hey, I said it on our last podcast, Tyler. 
It's been five days since Corbin Burns has pitched. I bet that's hair a little, that hair is a little bit longer. So you know he's going to be good. The superpowers are still there. <laughs> is he going to discover some new superpowers? I don't know what more he could discover, but... <laughs> I, I I don't know if there is anything more he can discover, but if if he pitches, if he continues what he's doing, it's Cy Young. I've, I know your editor at Reviewing the Brew, David Gasper, is been all up on this and he has more Twitter followers. So he's going to say he was first, but that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You he's, were... ju- he's just more vocal and he has more followers, <laughs> including the, however many on reviewing the brew. He just has more followers than me, but I was first. He's just been louder. <laughs> well, maybe you should get more Twitter followers or be louder. I don't know. You need a superpower. <laughs> I'll go talk to Corbin, see what we can do. Hey, there you go. Get him on a podcast. Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, maybe Burns will join us in the offseason. Probably not when he's winning his Cy Young Award and vacationing on the beach because he deserves it. So (laughs) that won't likely happen. But who knows? (laughs) All right, well, that'll do it for us here today. We will be be back to recap the Padres series, so that podcast will be coming out on Thursday. Brewers have an off day on that day, so it'll be a good way to fill your downtime on that day before we gear up for another series against the frickin' Cubs after that. So we don't want to jump ahead of ourselves, so make sure you're staying tuned, hitting subscribe, and following us on Twitter to get all of our latest content. And we will talk to you on Thursday, Brewer fans. Trust in Burns. Burns.